Welcome to another episode of Lock On Lightning, part of the Lock On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Danger. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, I hope everyone's having a great day. Hope everyone's having a good week. Um, you know, we're powering through yet another week without sports, of course. Unfortunately, uh, I have to say, and I didn't mention it on my show the other day on Wednesday, just because a it was one of those things where you know you don't want to you don't want to put more salt on the wound as I guess you could say. And at the same time, it was just a depressing fact or idea. And that is Wednesday would have been the first day, uh, would have been the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And yeah, that's super depressing. Um, you know, what's even more, more even uh, exciting in the National Hockey League other than, other than the, the season, but the playoffs, regardless if you have a team in the playoffs, uh, it's still pretty exciting from, you know, from the outside looking in, of course. And you find yourself as a hockey fan following teams on these journeys through the playoffs that, and find yourself rooting for teams that you probably wouldn't root for. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people back a couple of years ago uh, found themselves rooting for the National Predators as well as you know, uh, pulling for, uh, pulling for the Tampa Bay lightning when they made their run and unfortunately fell short against the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, as well as, you know, you take a pick, there's always that one team every year that kind of, I guess, surprises everybody in a way you don't expect them to go as far as they do. And then you have a team, for example, like the Los Angeles Kings who end up winning the Stanley cup. So yeah, those are just some examples, but yeah, uh, that's it's just super depressing. Not really depressing, you know. Obviously, I don't want you, I don't want my listeners and you guys who are listening at home right now to, you know, for that to dampen your day. What, don't worry, because eventually the playoffs will come back. You know, the league said multiple times that they fully intend on awarding the Stanley Cup to, to, uh, to, to a team this year, and hopefully, you know, they they keep good on that that guarantee and that 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 goal uh, and I and I'm sure they will and that kind of brings me to my next point about how and I spoke about it a little bit on my last episode and I think a little bit on Monday and if you haven't listened to those episodes go ahead uh, go ahead and listen to those uh, like subscribe download do all that it really helps the show a long way um, going a long way and it really helps us a lot here at locked on lightning. So go ahead and do that for us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we're asking you very humbly to do that. So yeah, that brings me to my next point about how the NHL mentioned, or they, they put together a plan for, uh, basically playing all the games or maybe just if it's just the Stanley cup playoffs, playing those games in North Dakota, um, which is not really a bad idea, but at the same time, having the playoffs without fans in the stands is, it's super weird. Um, I don't think they would try and compensate the the effect the fans have on the game by by uh, you know pumping crowd noise into the arena for the players. I think the players would rather just have it quiet. But at the same time, uh, I don't know. We'll see what kind of gimmicks they come up with to kind of add more excitement to the game, not only for the fans watching at home, but for the players as well. But at first, I was a little, I objected a little bit to the whole North Dakota idea, just because it's one of those things where I want, if I want the, if the NHL is going to come back and play the Stanley Cup playoffs, 
I want them to do it the right way. I want, you know, I'm not a big fan of change when it comes to these certain things. But of course, given the current circumstances uh, surrounding, you know, this whole pause of play, and it's one of those things where you have to, unfortunately, put put your personal selfishness, as I fully admit that I do with this, um, aside and do what's best not only for the players and fans, but for the league going forward. Because if you really, if the league is going to wait around to play games so that fans can come to the games, uh, you know, they're going to be waiting a lot longer than they want to. And then that could eventually affect uh, next year's season. So you really don't want to do that. Um, You kind of want to keep things on track to a certain extent. uh, Because then think about it, if the league waited for it to be safe enough, and we're talking maybe even September um, for fans to be in the stands during games, um, you know, you're then you're talking about resuming that season. And let's say they finish the playoffs by mid-October, and then you have to push the following season back. And then unless they could figure out a way to kind of fit games and shorten the rest, which I don't think would be beneficial to the players, and I don't think the, the Players Association would go for it, um, you would be pushing back not only next season, but probably the next two seasons. Um, I'd be curious as to how the league would handle that. Uh, Like I said, I don't think that um, they would be take, I don't think they should take away uh, the amount of rest days or, you know, the week, the certain weeks that uh, teams have off to compensate for that. Um, I think that at that point, then you're just putting players health at risk and you don't want to do that. So, but at the same time, as I was thinking about this this plan that the NHL has, um, I, I like it. I think it's one of those things where it's the most logical thing. Um, the A lot of these players are used to playing in rural areas coming up through the AHL system and other minor league systems. A lot of the minor league teams, which I didn't realize um, until I started thinking about it, play in rural, rural areas. So... On one hand, yeah, they, they're going to be used to being in that spaced out area where, yeah, I'm sure a lot of these guys played on teams in cities that there's really not a lot to do. Uh, but at the same time, these are professional athletes. And I think maybe over time, if they're all stationed in North Dakota, I think eventually um, there'll be businesses kind of, I guess, opening up their doors to these players to kind of uh, find some entertainment off the ice. But at the same time, I'm looking at it from the player's perspective. Now, I'm sure they want to continue the season and whatnot. And, yeah, the, the spaced-out area in which they would be playing in with no fans and staying in hotels and whatnot is good in terms of getting things done. But at the same time, if I'm a player who's going to be in North Dakota, and no disrespect to North Dakota, I mean, I've never been there, but it looks beautiful. And, of course, I would want to visit there one day. But... If I'm an NHL player who's, you know, one of the best players in the league, I mean, you don't even have to be one of the best players in the league. Let's scratch that. Just a regular professional athlete. Uh, and I have a family, you know, a wife and kids and whatnot, or loved ones that I'm concerned about, especially during this pandemic. Do I really want to shutter myself away in North Dakota for maybe a month, month and a half, maybe two months, depending on how long this process takes? Uh, away from my family, away from my loved ones, uh, friends, you know, not being able to see them, God forbid something happens. 
Um, I don't know if the players would go for that, and I think that's kind of what the thinking was for if you've been keeping tabs on Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball kind of has a similar plan on which they want to do their season, in which I've heard multiple plans. I've heard one where they're going to have all of the teams in Arizona, which makes more sense just because if you want to do, you know, if you want to have all the teams play each other and there's definitely enough facilities out in Arizona just because of all the spring training complexes and the local colleges, you could definitely pull it off. But like I said, with the whole NHL thing, and I guess this is a little bit more extreme with Major League Baseball, is that these guys are going to be spending five months maybe away from their families um, in a hotel shelled up in Arizona. I would imagine that their activities off the ice uh, would be very limited due to probably the stay-at-home, um, I guess you could call it, I don't know if it's a law or whatever you could call it, uh, stay-at-home you know, regulations that they would probably still have an effect. Do you really want to do that, or do you want to be at home with your family knowing that everything's okay? Because, yes, of course, we have the technology today in which you could FaceTime or call a loved one in a matter of seconds, but I think you know they want to be there in person for that added assurance. So, yeah, a lot of questions that answer going forward with this whole thing. I don't know how crazy the, the players are about it. I'm, I'm curious as to if when eventually things are more concrete, if maybe players in the NA, around the NHL would kind of come out and maybe give their two cents on what, how they feel about the whole situation. Obviously, guys, like I said, want to play, but at the same, at the end of the day, do you really want to be away from your family for that long? So, like I said, what on past episodes, with a lot of these plans, you know, there's a lot of what ifs, a lot of hypotheticals going on right now, and we're just gonna have to take it day by day and. You know, you guys are going to just have to hear about it like I do on the fly, of course. Um, and you could come here Monday, Wednesday, Friday mainly to listen, you know, for Locked on Lightning. And that's where we'll be doing the frequency right now with along with maybe some surprise episodes or some, um, I guess, emergency episodes of anything really breaking comes out. Um, we'll take it day by day, of course. Um, or actually, we'll do it week by week, of course. So we'll, you know, stay tuned for that. And obviously uh, keep an eye out on the Twitter page at LO underscore lightning to, you know, keep up on the latest updates with the show on, on latest news and everything going forward with uh, the frequency of the show and all that. So one of the things I thought about the other day that I wouldn't say has so much bothered me as a lightning fan, but, you know, it was kind of one of those things where oh, if the playoffs started today, I would be very much looking forward to this this matchup for the Lightning, I think a little bit more than probably the Bruins. Obviously, you know, if you've been a frequent listener to this podcast, I never shy away from taking little shots at the Bruins. You know, it's obviously it's nothing malicious. It's just fun and games, a little rivalry kind of there that I like to have with the Bruins. Um, and, you know, them being on top of the division as well as number one of the conference where when we started Locked on Lightning about in, I would say, in February, uh, one of the things that I said very clearly off the bat was that I wanted to see, and I at the same time believed that the Lightning could not only win the division, but very well win the conference and probably win the President's Trophy with that, you know, because I believe whoever wins this division between the Bruins and the Lightning, I believe will probably be the President's Trophy winner. Um, and 
at the same time, as much as that's a cool kind of accolade to have at the end of the season, um, if you listen to last episode when I spoke about the President's Trophy, um, I'm not a very big fan of it just because I feel like it adds a little bit more weight to the already immense pressure that a team has to carry through the playoffs. So I don't know. I, like I said um, on the last episode, not always the best team wins the President's Trophy. So that's just one of the things. But anyway, the if the playoffs were to start the other day, uh, Tampa Bay would have faced the Toronto Maple Leafs, which I believe is absolutely great matchup to start off the first round. Uh, of course, most likely um, with these, if the Lightning were to move on from Toronto. And like I said on past episodes, let's when it comes to the playoffs, let's as much as we're sure that the Lightning are going to move on with certain matchups, potential matchups, we don't want to take anything for granted, especially after what happened last year against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we, we will not talk about that any further so yeah so but anyway with the with the maple leafs with them facing the maple leafs even though the maple leafs uh lead the season series two to one and uh the last couple of games it was they were pretty hard fought games between the two clubs but at the same time uh the maple leafs came on top i believe that and i've said this on past shows i said it on one of the episodes uh that i had with cantina media's brian Sosa on he's a fellow lightning fan as well and if you haven't listened to that Please go ahead, go back and listen to it. Uh, great episode. Had a ton of fun on that. Hope to have Brian back on when things start start you know coming together and we have more of a clear picture as to when the season's going to start. I really like this matchup. Um, I think that the team that you will eventually see when these two teams meet up in the playoffs, because they will, um, even if this, the NHL chooses to play those remaining games out of the regular season just for the sake of the teams that are kind of on the fence of making the playoffs. Um, I believe that these two teams will, regardless, I, I can't see any scenario really in which they're not going to face each other. I don't think a lot's going to ha- change in the points standings um, between now and then if once they start up the regular season as to when the playoffs actually do start. Uh, most likely, I would have to say the chances are very high that they're just going to move into the playoffs and that these two teams will face off each other, against each other, of course. Um, but I really, like I said before, is that the team that you are going to see on the ice for the Tampa Bay Lightning once they drop the puck for game one of the first round of the Stanley Cup finals, Stanley Cup playoffs, is not going to be the same team you last saw play on the ice about maybe what, a month ago wow, it's been actually a month since we haven't had hockey. Time flies by when you're, you know, a little bit bored, right, guys? But anyway, yeah, a totally different team, a lot more healthier. Uh, you're going to have everybody back by then, hopefully, barring any setbacks once they get back to skating. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge facing this team, and probably every team, is getting back on ice. And I think Connor McDavid came out yesterday kind of in a little statement and said that was probably the hardest part about this because, yeah, you could practice shooting and, you know, passing and all that kind of basic things and uh, puck handling, all those things off the ice on, you know, a lot of these players, even though they don't really have the home gyms, uh, I guess a lot of them do have facilities near them or um, where they, even if it's not ice, they have like the synthetic ice. uh, I guess it's like a, kind of like a kind of kind of plastic or whatever where they could kind of skate on it but i haven't really seen a lot of nhl players skating 
Um, and I've never skated on that stuff myself. Um, but I have heard different reviews from different people that that stuff is it. It's the closest thing to ice, but it's not ice in terms of the feel of it on your blades. And, you know, so, yeah, Connor McDavid came out the other day uh, saying that that's the biggest challenge for him personally, that not being able to skate and being on the ice. And I think that, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a challenge for these players. And hopefully it's not going to translate into many injuries going forward once they do start playing. But I think that the whole skating aspect, I think that's the players are hopefully they get maybe three weeks or so to kind of fine tune, just shake the rust off and get back to playing condition with that, as well as maybe the chemistry uh, options, you know, the chemistry among players on certain lines and stuff. I wouldn't be surprised. And I wouldn't I'm sure a lot of you Lightning fans uh, and hockey fans as well wouldn't be as surprised if maybe you see some line shakeups that, you know, you see some players not really who haven't really played on the same, same line with each other all year playing together. Once they start up things, it's going to be very strange. It's going to be a very, very strange, um, I guess, dynamic for a lot of teams to start off. And then maybe, um, those, maybe those teams will start getting back to what you kind of saw of them, uh, when play was paused. So it's going to be interesting, but I think, that to kind of go back to my point on how the lightning would fare against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think if you get a full lightning team, everybody playing the way they're supposed to be playing Vasilevsky being Vasilevsky and, you know, Stam coast back and all those guys, uh, full, healthy, ready to go. I am fully rested. And, you know, mindset is wiped clean. Cause I did say a couple episodes ago that it seemed like some of these players were, um, kind of forcing the issue just with the with the lack of personnel around them just because, you know, you, sometimes in certain situations, if you have a lot of players out due to injury on a, on a team, regardless of what any sport is, you will see the players that are left who are getting more playing time trying to do things that are uh, that are you're, they're going to have things that are going to be asked more of them to do. Uh, for example, Alex Kalorn had an incredible breakout season with, you know, the amount of goals that he scored this year. And I really thought at one point he was on, on, on pace to score 40. And you don't, you haven't really seen anything like that from killer in his entire career thus far. Um, and there were certain times where you could see that he kind of strayed away from his playmaking game and tried to just be strictly a scorer. And sometimes that didn't work for him. So they, yeah, you had players that were trying to play outside the game that got them up to the NHL level. So maybe once, you know, the team gets back to playing normal and they get back, you know, with everybody rested, I think guys like Killer will kind of resume what they were doing before all these guys went down. So, um, yeah, but like a full rested team against the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think that Lightning team, you could chalk them up for maybe winning in five or six games, uh, you know, they should not be taking the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, lightly at all. Of course, you should never be taking any team lightly at all, regardless whether it's the regular season or the playoffs. So let's continue. This is part three of the Lightning's greatest seasons, of course. We're going to kind of finish off. We're going to do a little fun one now. I'm sure everybody knows by now which is going to be the number one ranked season in Lightning history. 
Uh, I hope you've been listening all week. If you haven't, go back and listen so you can follow along. Um, and like I said before, we humbly ask you here at Locked On Lightning to like, subscribe, download, uh, email it to 18 people, start a chain, whatever. <laughs> it really helps the show a lot. We we really we really thank all our supporters thus far, and we re- you know I've been absolutely blown away by the response that a lot of you guys have been giving me, whether it's whether it's the reviews or you know uh, emailing the 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 Locked On Lightning Gmail account, as well as uh, sending us messages on Twitter. We really appreciate that. Uh, we really appreciate the feedback. And, you know, we'd love to have some more questions. Uh, I got some more questions about certain things, um, about some of the players and stuff like that. And I I said to every fan, you know, I, I answered their question as, as much as I could. And at the same time, I said, you know, I encourage all you guys, all you guys and gals uh, to to send in more questions so we can maybe have a mailbag maybe in the coming weeks. I would really love to do that. And, uh, if you want to send me like maybe a little voice memo through the locked on lightning Gmail, uh, it's really good quality. Ask it what your question and the best questions will be featured on maybe a mailbag show once we get enough. So just keep that in mind. So let's talk about the best season in lightning history. And that is the 2003, 2004 NHL season, in which the lightning went 46, 22, eight and six, with 106 points. And they finished first in the Southeast division, as well as first in the Eastern conference. And they, their longest win streak was eight where their longest loss streak. They was four. Uh, they finished with 245 goals. Um, which was third in the NHL. And the thing that I've noticed, of course, I mean, it's kind of a given if you're a very good team in the, if you finish with a good record in the National Hockey League, most likely you're going to score a lot of goals, of course. Um, but it's just one of those things where I said on my last show that the one thing you could always guarantee with this, with this Lightning's team, whether whatever year it is, if they're having a good year, they're always going to score a lot of goals. And you can see it. Look at, their past 10, 15 years, um, they've been finishing in the top five a lot in the NHL, and that just shows that this team knows how to score. So that's why it makes it that more, much more frustrating when I watch this team, especially this team who has so much firepower uh, on their in their forwards, and even in the defensemen could score some goals as well, is it, it's just that much more frustrating when they only have three or four shots um, in the first period or don't take a shot until 11 minutes in. So it's just one of those things where it's super frustrating, especially when you know what they're capable of and what they could do. So the lightning, um, what I didn't realize um, about this season, it's just, I guess it's just one of those things where I was, I guess, too young to remember. Uh, Marty St. Louis was the team leader in points and goals, and he had an absolutely incredible year. He led the league in points earning him the Art Ross Trophy, as well as uh, earning the Hart Trophy, which is, for you, for those of you that may not know, is the NHL's MVP award. Uh, and John Tortorella finished uh, first in voting for the Jack Adams Award for Coach of the Year. So uh, kudos to Torts, of course. You know, um, One of the things that I read, uh, and which I kind of wasn't surprised by at all, was that the Lightning weren't exactly hot favorites to win the Stanley cup finals that year. So for them to not only finish first in the conference and the division, and then I wouldn't say, I guess you could say, if, you know, if you look at how they played in the, in the playoffs, other than maybe that, that flyers and Calgary series, the first two series, they kind of somewhat steamrolled 
through Montreal and the Islanders. So yeah, they, they, I guess they, they surprised a lot of uh, hockey fans that year and the hockey experts. So that was kind of, you know, you always like to play um, spoiler for, for critics, especially in professional sports. Uh, so yeah, they obviously they finish first in the conference and the, the division and they go in the first round, they win four, one against the Islanders. Uh, semifinals against Montreal, they sweep them, which is absolutely incredible. You always like to see, you know, the one thing, and maybe it's just me, just because it's given their history, their, you know, their historic history. Um, the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs are like the New York Yankees to me in baseball in the MLB playoffs. They're, they're one of those teams where regardless of where they finish in the standings, if they get into the playoffs, the, the hockey gods or the baseball gods, the sport, sports gods or whatever you want to call it, kind of lean on their side or destiny is always on their side for them to make a run. I mean, we all saw it years ago with the New York Yankees making that run all the way to the, the American League Championship Series against the Houston Astros. So it's one of those things where, you know, anytime you see the Canadians in the, in the playoffs, regardless of where they finish in the standings, you always kind of want to keep an eye on them just because you feel like destiny is always going to be on their side because they're always destined to win a, a Stanley cup. So, but they had no problem with them. They swept them for nothing, of course. And then they go to the conference files finals and they have a hard fought seven game series against the Philadelphia Flyers, which you kind of expect the Flyers, no matter who's on their team, they always are expected to play tough, gritty hockey and always kind of bully you on the, the, you know, on the physical side of things to, to kind of maybe kind of wear you down as the series goes on. But of course the lightning didn't uh, prevail. They did prevail and they went on to the Stanley cup finals. And I'm sure that must've been coming off a long, hard fought series against the flyers only to play against a team like the Calgary flames. And if you guys haven't listened to uh, my, my, my segment I did about, I want to say two weeks ago in which I spoke about, the Stanley Cup Finals, and I, I kind of recapped every game, uh, games one through seven. And if you want to go back and you know watch the games as well as listen to the recaps, you can go ahead. All the games are on YouTube. All of them are on in English except for Game One. I could only find Game One in Russian, so I had to do a little of uh, um, inside my head commentary as I was going along watching that game. But. Yeah, to have a series like that, which it's, I'm sure, you know, a seven-game series, which it's very hard fought, very gritty and physical, and to go against a team that, like the Calgary Flames, who are a significantly bigger team, if you just look at game one or any of the games, especially, I think it was about game five when things started to kind of loosen up. But games one through four, uh, you could just see the Flames going for big hits, trying to outmuscle. Uh, the, the significantly smaller Tampa Bay Lightning team. Uh, and the Lightning kind of, that's kind of what plagued them uh, early on in the series. They they kind of tried to play, they tried to, they tried to match the physicality that the the light, uh, the Flames were giving out. And, you know, especially when you're a smaller team, you don't want to do that because then you just wear yourself out. It's one of those things where it's kind of like in boxing, you know, you don't want to throw the big punches every time you swing because then you're only going to tire yourself out. You can't match the bigger guy in big punches, so let them tire themselves out. And I think the Lightning really figured that out as the series go along. They, they I guess maybe it was after game four. And when I was during, to give you a little, not to spoil everything for you with the recap, for those recaps. But in, during the game five recap, I said that game five was going to be a very, very important game for the lightning because at that point you could kind of tell in game four 
that the Flames were starting to tire themselves out as each game went along. If you saw, if you watched every game very closely, you could tell not only when the Flames were trying to lay the body on the lightning, especially in the corners along the boards, they were trying to hit the home run hit on them. You know, they were trying to not only check them and get the puck loose, but they, it looked like sometimes when they were trying to check, uh, lay the body on them, they were trying to check them through the glass and up into the rafters. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, the Lightning, the significantly smaller Lightning team, I and mean, I'm sure Torrance probably said this at one point, um, they had to play their game. They had to play nice skill hockey fast. The way they, the way the kind of the kind of hockey that got them there all year. You know, you don't win, you don't you don't score 245 goals and finish third in scoring in the NHL because you're a big hard hitting team. You do that because you play skillful, fast hockey, and that's what this team around Game Five. That's what they started to do, and that's what really I believe turned the series around. Um, and the thing I felt like, even though we all know going into those games, what's eventually going to happen, what this is all, all these games are lining up for. And that's, of course, a Game 7 win, uh, lifting the Stanley Cup trophy in front of the fans in Tampa. It's Game 5 and Game 6. Um, you know, even though they lose Game 5 um, and they kind of put themselves in a tough spot by having to go back to avoid elimination in Calgary, I think that their style of play that they they started to play in game four at the end of game four, as well as game five, really turned things around for them in the series. Um, game four was obviously a big win for them, given, you know, if they don't win game four, they're down three one. So, you know, there's a lot of key moments um, and you got to tip your cap, even though Mario St. Louis is the guy for this team at this point, as well as Dave Andrichuk and, uh, Cavi Bullen, who absolutely had an incredible series in net. Uh, Brad Richards, just absolutely incredible. Just, you know, whenever you, whenever the Lightning needed a big goal, whenever they needed someone to step up and score the goal, um, you know, put points on the board for whether it was they were losing or, you know, just to get things going to start off the game and, you know, kind of get the adrenaline going. Brad Richards was the guy and the thing that really impressed me. And I always stress this if you're, if you're a usual listener. So, you know, right off the top, maybe where I'm going with this is that the lightning did a fantastic job in this series um, on the power play. It seemed like every time that they were on the power play, I want to say maybe every, every three, they would, they would score once every three power plays. And it always seemed like Brad Richards was either scoring on those or he, was somehow involved and I'm sure as you were watching this this series one of the things that was kind of concerning especially early on was the injury to Vincent LeCavier in which he it was a dirty play I mean there's no way other way to to say it it was a dirty play he was going for the puck along the boards and he gets checked um by I believe it was Martin Galinas where he hit him right between the numbers. Uh, I think he actually hit him in, in the back of the head and LeCavier's head went straight into the glass or the top of the boards. It was just an ugly play all around. Uh, Galinas, of course, miss, gets a game misconduct um, and he misses a game due to that. But I'm sure Lightning fans at that point in time who were watching, who were watching this um, were concerned for the Lightning's chances at that point. But at the same time, you know, when you have Marty St. Louis and Brad Richards on your team, as well as that cast of 
that cast of characters that you had, you know, and all those lines. I, I think that there was not as it on the level of probably concern, uh, one being not concerned at all, 10 being panic, full on panic mode. I'd probably say things were probably about a six because then it took a couple of games because LeCavier was obviously concussed. Um, if he was, that happened in today's NHL, I don't see LeCavier playing for the rest of the series. So I guess, you know, them not having the knowledge and the rules not being what they are now with the protocol, I guess the lightning kind of lucked out. But it did take a couple of games for Vinny to kind of figure things out and kind of get his head on straight. But after that, he wasn't that big of a he wasn't big of a threat scoring goals. It was more so his ability to create scoring chances for his teammates that really kind of put the offense onto another level and kind of was definitely one of the main factors in contributing to, you know, for this team winning the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, that's my recap. If you want to hear a full recap of that series, um, go ahead and listen to Game 7 on the Stanley Cup Stanley Cup Finals 2003-2004. Uh, I have a whole series on that where, you know, a whole segment, a whole week of that where I recap every game of that series. Go back, like, and subscribe. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this whole little segment I did. Uh, we'll be talking about things that, like that. You know, we'll have throwback episodes a lot more in, in, this, in the future, in the coming weeks. So just, you know, keep an eye on that. And, of course, go to the LO the LO underscore lightning Twitter page on and, you know, just look, listen closely and watch closely for uh, updates and we'll, we'll have them as we go along. So that's been it for Lockdown Lightning, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. My name is Adam Danker. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday.